beverage goblin needs at least three drinks at a time. <laughs> I'm specifically not opening my beer so we can crack into it. But and like yes, I only have these two. But there's also a water and an energy drink out in my car. <laughs> I have a smattering of things next to me. <laughs> And welcome to episode 126 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how are you? I'm good. Good. I, I was all like, I was ready to say it and then I and then I decided I was gonna be like, Brittany, how you like a Durain girl? Like, like from from Twilight when Mike is like, Bella, how you like a Durain girl? But then I realized <laughs> you probably wouldn't get that reference. Uh no. But we have rain. It has been nice. We haven't had rain in like a month. It's been so sad. It's been dry and like my lawn crunched underneath my feet. And, oh no. And now I walked outside and I had my my flippy floppies on uh-huh. and I walked in the grass and there was no crunch. I love that for you. It was great. So, and I got to hang out in the hot tub in the rain. Oh, that sounds delightful. I used to love swimming in the rain. It's so much fun. It is so much fun. But then my grandma would be like, it's thundering and lightning out. You can't be in the pool. And I'm like, oh, fine. That's a legitimate. That's a legitimate thing. Not while it's thundering and lightning. Just while it's just sprinkling. Just while it's sprinkling. Yes. Just a little bit of a sprinkle. Just a sprinkle. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I've been enjoying the rain. Nice. um, Cleaning the house. Awesome. Preparing for the arrival of a specific... Special person. Oh, that's right. Yep, that's coming up. That's this weekend. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's ready for Monday. She'll be here on Monday. Ah! And then uh, and then uh, preparing for my special super birthday trip with my mom and my Auntie Becky. Yes. Yes. To go see Garth Brooks in Las Vegas. And we're going to road trip it. Honestly, that sounds amazing. I'm ready. So that's... I... I'm jealous. It's not a lot of news right now, but it's stuff leading up to fun times. That's, so. ex- you know, I love Garth Brooks. Me too. I don't really listen to him anymore, but when he comes on, I know all the words still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give me an ain't going down till the sun comes up any day. Ain't giving in. Till you get enough. <laughs> Go around the world in a pickup truck. <laughs> ain't going down till the sun comes up. Karaoke with Left of Skeptic. <laughs> um, so yeah, how are you doing? I am good. I'm awesome. good. Last night was uh, the debut of my very last Duluth local show on the Currents, mm-hmm. and I a lot of people said a lot of very nice things. Apparently, my last break made everyone cry. Oh, because I cried. Oh, not because I was leaving the Current, but um. It, I debuted Afrogeode in the Gemstones, like, first song mm-hmm. as a full band. Yeah. And then I gave a little, like, 
a little intro and then I started crying and I actually re-recorded it so many times and then I was like I guess I'm just gonna cry through this I give up it's genuine <laughs> at least and then apparently everyone who was listening started started crying as well along with me so that's gorgeous and heartfelt and beautiful and, and that's why people liked you so much on the radio oh, thank you also if uh if you are in the twin ports region because this comes out on Wednesday Afro Geodes celebration of life slash birthday party is happening on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we can share that information on the Left of Skeptic page, I'm yes. guessing. Cool. We'll probably actually, you know what? We'll share it before this episode even comes out. So yes. just check check out the history because we'll share it on there because we want everybody to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And she she was awesome. And it's we're planning for a lot, a lot of people. So please come. We'll celebrate D. We'll celebrate local music. And it'll be phenomenal. Yes. Awesome. Should we crack into it before you start crying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I think I have all the cries out, then I go and do something and then I start <laughs> crying again. All right. Should let's we do both it at the same do it. Time? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Let's double crack into it. Wait, Let's wait, go. Let me. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. Oh, that's real good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. All right. So this week, I've got a story out of Maryland, and as you'll see, it uh, serves as kind of a callback to a couple of our previous episodes too. All right. You've you've been really loving the callback episodes. I do. I love things that I'm like, oh. We covered, like, I'll do it, and then I'm like, oh, we, we covered something like this, and I like the callback. It makes me yeah. happy. And well, like, we love it when things go full circle. Exactly. We get so excited when episodes are full circle. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the Westminster Hall and Burying Ground in Baltimore. Okay. Westminster Burial Grounds, originally the Westminster Presbyterian Cemetery, was established in 1786. Damn. Wait, Westminster, is that... Where the dog show is. I don't know where the dog show is, but that's a... I thought it was the Westminster dog show. Is 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 that in Baltimore? Because that's where this is. I have no idea. I don't know why they I thought that was Baltimore a London Bal- thing. Because there is a Westminster in like the UK, isn't there? Yes. I don't know. I don't know either. Either I'm way. cat person. This is about the cemetery. Okay, the cemetery. <laughs> there hopefully are no dogs there. And um, so it... The cemetery was established in 1786, mm-hmm. and in 19 or in 1852, a church was constructed on brick piers above the graves, creating catacombs. Okay, so it started as, as a cemetery. cemetery, and then they added the church later. Yeah, they just built it right on top. Yep. The burying ground is the gravesite of many notable individuals, most famous as the burial place of Edgar Allan Poe after his death in 1849. So Poe was buried there before the church was even put up there. Once again, time traveler. <laughs> if you're a Poe fan, might I recommend going back to episode 68 of our podcast, where Brittany told us all about the theory that Poe may have been a time traveler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't recall that episode, I've got a little hashtag fun fact for you. Love, love it. Poe was originally buried in an unmarked grave towards the back of the cemetery. In 1875, 
the school children of Baltimore raised enough money through a Pennies for Poe project oh. to build a monument dedicated to Poe at the entrance of the cemetery. They found where Poe is buried. It was unmarked. He is buried next to his wife slash cousin mm-hmm. and his mother-in-law back there. And the grave now has a marker. So it's no longer unmarked. But Good, it used to be. He wasn't. He wasn't super popular when he died, was he? I'm I mean, trying to remember. He was popular, but he was he also... He didn't reach his peak fame. Right. And he was also, you know, like a hella drunken drug user. Yeah. So uh, he didn't have yeah. like the best reputation, even if he was popular. Right. Right. The burying ground is also the final resting place for a number of people who served in the American Revolution and War of 1812. Okay. And there's also a few politicians throughout history that were buried there as well. A lot of lamos? Uh, not really. Oh, okay. It just like <laughs> they listed a bunch of the people and it's not like they were lamos or great. It they oh, just were. They're just there. They're just there. They yeah. they served in politics at some point in time. <laughs> uh the burying ground features Maximilian Geodfrey's Egyptian Revival Gates, located at the Green Street side of the cemetery. The gravestones throughout the burying grounds include decorative tablets, slabs, and granite vaults. As the resting place of nearly 300 veterans of the American Revolution and War of 1812, along with Edgar Allan Poe, the Westminster Burial Ground is considered a historical and cultural treasure of local, state, and national significance. Nice. As such, in 1974, it was placed on the National Register of Historic Sites. The church, after it was completed in 1852, was in active use until 1977. Okay. Now it is used for weddings, receptions, lectures, conferences, and other events. So it's a hall you can rent. I wonder what is the youngest building on the National Register of Historic Places. Does it have to be a certain age or does it just have to have significance? I don't know. Every time we talk about it, it's something that's like at least 100 years old. But Yeah, it's like you'd have to be... You know, a certain age to become president. Do you have to be a certain age? Sure. Yeah, to, to reach this fancy, fancy list. Yep. There I don't you know. Go. I don't know. Edgar Allan Poe is said to haunt a number of sites, as his life is closely tied to four cities: New York City, Philadelphia, Richmond, Virginia, and you guessed it, Baltimore. Mm. Another mm. hashtag fun fact. That's why their football team is called the Ravens. I did not know that, but I love that. I knew that because my Raven. dad told me. Oh, because he watches football? He does. Okay. And when for a while, when we lived in Maryland, he had to have a team to root for, and he was a Vikings fan. Uh-huh. He liked Edgar Allan Poe. He liked that, uh, you know, he likes that he he likes the fact that the team colors are purple, which is like the Vikings. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm a Baltimore is, Ravens know, fan. It works for me. It works for me. <laughs> um. So... Edgar Allan Poe's ghost isn't the only mystery at this location. Another mystery involves who visits his grave. Oh. So around Halloween, you can usually find a glass of liquor and flowers set on or by Poe's tombstone. And you will always see them there on his birthday, January 19th. According to the Chicago Tribune article, for decades a stranger in an old-fashioned hat, scarf, and overcoat carrying a cane, placed brandy and roses at the grave. His identity had been kept a secret, but according to Jeff Jerome, who is the curator of Baltimore Poe House and Museum, Mm -hmm. there was a change in the mid-90s. 
The ritual was still the same, but it was performed by a younger man. They thought maybe it was like a father and son duo. Or an apprentice. Or like, yeah, an apprentice type situation. Um, so there was a younger man. Life magazine photographer used, at one point, used a night vision camera uh-huh. to get pictures of the older man at Poe's grave. But no attempt was made to find out who this person is. Oh, they're like, we're going to take photos, but we're not going to attempt to. Well, you know, I kind of like that. Jerome. Poe would have loved a mystery. Yep. Jerome says, we think it's better kept a mystery. Tracy Mathias, who's a Baltimore native, grew up a few blocks away and had been seeing the display for years. Mm -hmm. And she points out that local kids used to hide out there at three in the morning to try and wait for the guy to arrive to see it happening in real, like in real time. I thought you were going to say they went there to grab the booze. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose it depends on what age the kids are. I yes. Guess. <laughs> um, and so the reason that lo- local Tracy Mathias thing came up is because there was an article about how for a while the visits stopped. There were a few years where all of a sudden there were no brandy or roses Oh. And local historians started taking up the practice and making it like a a ritual that they do. They don't know if the people passed away that used to do it or what happened. But Matthias was nice that they were continuing the tradition. And Jerome said, for several years, nobody was doing it, and it was decided to resurrect him. This is a Baltimore tradition, and I hope it continues for many, many years. They still don't know who the original Poe Toaster is as they've decided to call it was. But they do it now every year, and it's like a cool tradition that started as a mystery. Is still a mystery, but has become this greater, bigger thing. I adore that. Okay. When I pass, which hopefully, knock on wood, won't be for a while. I thought you were going to knock on the wood for me, but I guess that's fine. There we go. (laughs) I'm surrounded by glass. Well, this is like... It's got some... It's wood adjacent. Some form of wood in it. It's like, what's that called? Plywood. It's not plywood. Veneer. It's, it's like a, it's where they got all the wood chips and they just press them all together until they make a wood thing. Is that not plywood? Particle board? Particle board. There you go. See, that has wood in it. <laughs> so I knocked. We're good. Thank you. Thank you. But when I pass, I would love for there to be a place and for there to be some sort of a secret organization of folks who do something weird on a certain day of the year. (laughs) It'd be fun. I don't know. It doesn't have to be brandy. It can be like an Earth Rider beer and like a little ghost thing and just like, (laughs) like a little stuffed ghost. And every year on a certain day, that just gets left out to your homies, tiny ghost. That's Noted. a that's a nice idea. If you are going to go to Baltimore uh, this upcoming January, it will be Poe's two hundred and fifteenth birthday, and you can catch the ceremony for yourself. What what day? January nineteenth. Nineteenth. Okay. Okay. But this is real life stuff. I mean, we can imagine a creepy spirit being that original person to leave stuff on the site, but it's way more likely it was some Edgar Allan Poe fanboys. Yeah. Right. I'm thinking Secret Society. I'm just going to go ahead and say Secret Society. That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about the paranormal. Is that me? That's you. But I put my phone on silent. Did you put it? Oh, what? Did you put it on airplane mode, but you're still connected to the Wi-Fi? No, I'm on do not disturb, but there are certain people who are allowed 
to text me on Do Not Disturb. You're one of them, by the way. Oh. It's you, my mom, my sister, and Steve. Nice. I feel so special. I, I didn't know it worked for any Do Not Disturb. I thought it was just the nighttime one. <laughs> In case there was an emergency, you can get a hold of me. <laughs> All right. So let's get ghosty with it. I love it. Let's get in ghosty with it. So we've already told you about Poe's birthday visitor. visitor. But apparently Poe himself makes the rounds at the Westminster every so often. I would hope so. He's been seen in the graveyard, mostly around his birthday, but also at other times of the year. Poe is reported to be dressed in black, of course. (laughs) Yeah, that was his jam. Wearing a waistcoat, broad-brimmed fedora, and a scarf covering his face. He carries a walking cane topped with a silver cat's head and has even talked to some of the people who have seen him. Poe has also been reported in the catacombs. Some say to keep his spirit happy, you need to leave a penny on his gravestone when you visit. Because he died penniless? I know, right? <laughs> then, Well, that just makes it sadder that that fundraiser was pennies for Poe. Oh, <laughs> sad. Um, but bomb-ass outfit, right? That's, I think that's the way. I mean, we talked about how we would look after death. Poe's got it down. He's looking fancy. He's looking that, fly. That mysteriously dying in a bar really worked for him, apparently. I thought he got beat up. We, they, we There's so many different theories about what actually happened. Oh, yeah. It was so long ago. So long ago. Visitors to the cemetery, on top of seeing Poe, have also heard disembodied voices, footsteps, and screams. Mm. There have been claims of feeling the grip of invisible icy hands. Ew. Smelling inexplicable stenches and encountering cold spots. People have also reported sightings of spirits and dark, misty figures throughout the grounds. One suspected cause of the eeriness is the church itself. Because it was built in the middle of a graveyard. The church wasn't added until long after people were buried in this cemetery, and there are some tombs that are now inaccessible to visitors. There that are makes also sense. Yeah. there are also tombs that I mean, so you know the watershed issue, where with a certain amount of flooding, like they used to bury people really shallow and then they float up. Mm-hmm. So their fix for this, instead of like going in disinterring them and digging deeper and reburying them. We just put a what, church to hold them down. Was to put in like metal and like in like uh big brick slabs to like make walkways and stuff. Okay. They just like were like, we'll just tamp this down. It'll be fine. Yeah, let's just hold it down. So the theory is these spirits may be haunting the property because they are upset that they have been forgotten. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Even if no one alive still knows who they are, people could still like walk past their grave and yep. read their name and yep and now they can research and yeah now they're just under a walkway another theory for the haunting is about the movement of graves during the building of the church as we know spirits don't like it when you move their shit Mm-mm. they're very possessive so a whole section of the revolutionary war soldiers through uh thought lost were later discovered under one of the walkways okay And other bodies were likewise shuffled around or just plain lost during all of the construction. When it comes down to it, we really don't know how many plots were covered or moved because of the building of the church. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how many grave markers were moved with no bodies moved. 
apparently they dug up some. We don't know what happened to them. And local legend says that kids could be seen playing with skulls in the graveyard while the construction was happening. Oh, guys, that's not how we do construction in a graveyard. Another reasoning for potential haunting uh-huh. is uh, Davidage Hall, which is also known as the College of Medicine of Maryland. Uh, it is the oldest medical school building in the U.S. It has been in continuous use for medical education since 1813, the oldest such structure in the United States. And as we know, medical education requires cadavers. Yes. Davidage Hall is less than a quarter of a mile away from this cemetery. So who can guess that where some so of these convenient. cadavers came from? That's so convenient. Or where the cadavers went when there's an empty grave. So I think we've talked about this with other locations before, but robbing graves for medical students was kind of common back in the day. Yep. And a couple of sources said that the midnight cemetery raids upset the locals so much that they once hung a student graveyard grave robber. It's rumored that during this time, two medical students of Davidage Hall were caught in the act of removing bodies to take back to the dissecting lab. When they were caught, a commotion was raised to the point that it created a mob, and one of the students was hung from a nearby streetlight or tree. Shit. And his ghost is said to wander throughout the grounds as well now. Vandals and thieves were also a constant problem. They left the bodies intact. They left them there, but they would strip them of anything of value, such as jewelry. And their teeth. Gross. (laughs) So, neglected, robbed, dissected, relocated, built over, lost. It is no wonder that the people that reside in the cemetery are pissed off, right? Mm -hmm. I would be too. Yeah. So we've got a few apparitions here. There's a lot of apparitions, but some are more well-known than others, as we've seen in a lot of these cemetery stories. One spirit is often seen roaming the grounds. Uh, They're nameless, elderly, white-haired spirit seen walking slowly between the rows of tombstones as if in search of a particular marker. There doesn't seem to be any tales of this ghost bothering anybody, talking to anybody. It's like it's lost, looking for the gravesite that cannot find, whether it be that of a loved one or even their own. It's probably their own. That's so sad. There's a lore of a female ghost haunting the catacombs. Local lore says that she was, and I'm using air quotes here, Mm -hmm. so crazy Mm. that she was buried in her straitjacket. That's the local lore, which, dumb. Is bullshit. She's gone. There's no reason for that. Yeah, that's just rude. But anyway, it says that you can hear her laughter echoing throughout the catacombs if you're touring the hall. And if you hear it, supposedly her presence may follow you Throughout the graveyard as you exit the property. I'm just thinking of Bellatrix Lestrange. <laughs> I, could, I could hear that. Yep, I could. <laughs> um, as we've said many times here on Left of Skeptic, we always want people to respect cemeteries as the final resting place for those who have passed. It's just good manners. But in this graveyard, if you're not respectful, you may get more than just bad looks from others. Okay. Supposedly, if you seem like you are being disrespectful while while visiting the property, the shadow of an old groundskeeper may show up and start chasing you with his shovel. Ah. 
The ghost is said to act like he's under the influence of alcohol, uh-huh. which apparently he was for a lot of his life. Okay. And he will not hesitate to start cussing you out while chasing you off the property. That seems fair. Legit. Now, most of these spirits are unnamed, and that's that way in all the sources I found. They were all not. Well, you know, not names. everyone can be so popular. <laughs> okay popular popular (laughs) um but one spirit we can name is that of 16 year old lucia watson taylor she died in 1816 and she has been seen many times kneeling at her own grave she's often misty but you can see she's dressed in a loose white dress and her long hair is flowing this cemetery is also the resting place of the skull of Cambridge that is said to be buried on the grounds. It's a screaming skull. Oh. If you want to know more about screaming skulls, and trust me, you want to know more about screaming skulls, you should go back and check out episode 72 of the podcast. Oh, my God. Full circle. So many times. Go. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So this is said to be the decapitated head of an unknown minister who was murdered. Many visitors believe that the skull is now encased in a segment of cement on the grounds to block out the sounds of its screams. Reports claim that the skull would scream all hours of the day and night, and these screams were said to be so terrible they would linger in the minds of those who spent prolonged time around it until it drove them to the point where they would be sent to a psychiatric ward. Yeah, it caused madness. Michael Varhalla wrote for uh, America's Haunted Road Trip for his visit to Westminster Hall and Burying Grounds. Mm -hmm. And he had some experiences there. Quote, I visited Westminster Hall and Burying Ground for the first time in May of 2009 with a dozen members of the Inspired Ghost Tracking Paranormal Group. We were not disappointed. Almost immediately upon arriving at Westminster Hall, Inspired Ghost Tracking Group organizer Margaret Elrich and two of her friends, Ross and Amy, heard organ music coming from the former church, which is home of a fully restored 1882 pipe organ. Upon revealing this, however, to Luann Marshall, the Westminster Hall representative overseeing our tour, they learned that the building was completely locked up and that no one was inside it. This particular organ phenomena, it turns out, is one that regularly is reported on the site. Because there's literally nothing creepier than an old empty church with a pipe organ playing. It wouldn't be creepy, though, if it was like... Phantom of the Opera. And then it would be just like, all right, who let the theater nerd into the church? (laughs) Somebody, like... Why is there Andrew Lloyd Webber playing right now? Not appropriate. Not appropriate. Nevermore. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so he goes on. Over the next couple of hours, we collectively experienced a number of other phenomena of an apparent paranormal nature while exploring this area. These included detection of the presence of spirits by some of the sensitive members of the group, the capturing of several very profound orbs by several members of the group, and one of Margaret's assistants, Maria Bloom, became overwhelmed by the spiritual energy in the catacombs and had to leave them. 
I myself took a picture of one member, Wendy Super, and was stunned to see a large, substantial green orb appear in the image behind her. A number of other members of the group reported similar experiences. Brenda, an Inspired Ghost Tracking member, said, I kept feeling activity in that area. That is why we asked Ross to come over as well. It looks like Ross and I were having an orb meeting, and then they showed a picture of the photographs she had come, and there were just orbs It's like everywhere. a meeting of the minds. Luann Marshall, who has worked at the site for nearly three decades, told me a number of other incidences people have experienced over the years. She herself has had on more than one occasion suddenly felt the hair on the back of her neck stand up and experienced a feeling akin to panic while in the covered crypt and dispelled it by merely stepping outside. And she said during the filming of some footage on the site that the cameraman told her that he had felt someone touch him on the shoulder and whisper in his ear, go away. (laughs) There was, of course, no one visible around them, and he was understandably shaken by the experience, unquote. Person, invisible person, ghost. If anyone whispers in my ear, go away. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go away. I'm just going to go away. <laughs> yeah, it's, nothing good can ever lead from someone just being like, go away. Beside ghost and Halloween tours that they sometimes have like big groups of that you can pay for, mm-hmm. it has also been featured on sightings, the ghost report, and scariest places on earth, which as we've discussed is one of my favorite old school yeah. haunted shows. Yeah. The burying ground is open daily from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. unless there is snow on the ground. There's snow on the ground. It's closed. Okay. Legit. Legit. Because they don't want people trampling all over everything, and if there's snow on the ground, stuff oh, is you covered. Can't, okay, you can't see where things are. Okay, that makes sense. And you can't beat the price of the visit, because if you happen to be in the area, self-guided tours are free. Free? Except for the penny. You have to leave for Ed Grell and Poe. Well, that's fine. And that is the story of the Westminster Hall and Burying Grounds. Well, that was phenomenal. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I There were so many, like, published stories in, like, news articles and things, but not a lot of, I looked in our, our all of our classic places, Maryland Haunted Houses, uh-huh. hauntedhouses.com, mm-hmm. um, hauntedplaces.org. There were a lot of people just saying things like, oh, I went there, I saw these orbs, I went there, I felt this, but nothing like super in-depth. Yeah. I think you did a really good job. You found some good information. But holy buckets. That's a lot of ghosts. Holy buckets, yes. Um, Especially because it kind of made me think of the Manhattan catacombs that mm-hmm. I visited when I went to New York. Yeah. The pictures, if anybody gets a chance, and if I find some good ones, I'll try to post them on social media. The pictures of this graveyard, everything is very... Old and creepy because it is old and hundreds creepy. of years old. Yeah. And it's like you like we live here and we picture graveyards and our graveyards are very new comparatively. Yeah, it depends on where you go. But like the ones that are visible out and about, oh, like yeah. that you're just driving by, they're mm-hmm. very new. So like you see stuff like that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's like the horror movie level grave sites that you see. <laughs> That's actually really funny because I was I just got a, a TikTok message from my friend Lindsay Hansen, who is starting our podcast from the beginning. Okay. To which I said, oof. Rough. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's rough. It's rough, real bit rough. But uh she was sitting there saying, like, oh, I hope she mentions taking pictures uh, for Casey Pfeiffer at the Glensheen graveyard because it's really old. Mm-hmm. It's one of the older ones we have around here that you actually drive by. 
regularly. Yep. And then I did mention it, and she goes, yeah, because <laughs> she was there. Well, and like, and even the grave sites, like uh, the graveyard that I live near, the the stuff near the road is, is new. new. Yeah, you have to hike all the way into the back to get to like old graveyard, which we we still haven't gone there, Kayla. We were talking about I just, taking a walk through it at least. We just haven't had time. Our schedules are not conducive. To a lot of like hang out. This is part of why we did the podcast. So we'd have at least a dedicated That's true. couple of hours to hang That's out a true. week. <laughs> like this is a commitment. We will definitely hang out. This well, week. I have one less job now. There you go. So, so on yeah. a skeptic scale of yeah. para to normal, para being five, normal being one, mm-hmm. what are you going to give? Westminster Hall and Burying Grounds. I'm going to give it a four for being potastic. Not your strongest pun of the episode. No, it was the least, the least strongest one because it's not even punny. <laughs> but I couldn't think of a good reference. So it's been a while since I read Poe. <laughs> I am going to give it a five. I not love that. because of the Poe, but because of the other ghosts. <laughs> because literally, like, Poe is said to haunt too many things. Yeah. I don't know that I'd fully buy into Poe haunting anywhere at this point because every place is like, oh, Poe haunts here. But I could definitely see the other spirits and there seems to be a lot of activity. So I'm going to go five. Girl, you just wait until the references that you've made during your story come up in my story. Because oh my it's, it's like Inception. It's it's a, it's it's not just full circle. It's like a, a Whirlamagig. <laughs> you know would you say it's like whirlamajig whirligig whirligig i was trying to i was trying to come up with another poe pun but i just got nothing you were the all you were all all the puns are all you tonight <laughs> it's something about a pit and a, or like or like yeah like a pendulum but nope i got yep. nothing the pendulum one i and i don't even really remember that one he's the telltale heart too right yes he is mm. dum 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 What do you got for me? (laughs) Well, tonight I'm going to tell you about the house of death. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. So we're going full high school goth, Kayla and Brittany, this episode. Yes, we are. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We got some Edgar Allan Poe. Um. We've got some some House of Death. It's me, your acid bath, Princess of Darkness. Sorry, my mouth was full of beer. <laughs> All right. I do got to say, though, that considering its name is the House of Death, it's not nearly as gruesome as I thought it would be. I'm thinking like House of a Thousand Corpses level. You're saying it's not that? It's not. It's really not. House of Death, not House of a Thousand Corpses. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Located at 14 West 10th Street in New York City. Nice, nice. This unassuming brownstone looks like any other old New York house in Greenwich Village. Built in 1856, just before the start of the Civil War, this four-story single-family home it was located in one of the hottest new neighborhoods for aspiring New York City socialites and philanthropic businessmen of the time. Nice. In fact... Two of its first tenants were a man named James Borman Johnston and his wife. Never find out what the wife's name is. Literally every time it's just Mrs. James Borman Johnston. Ugh. Not cool. 
Anyway, so James, per pretty much all of my sources, was a founding member of both the Metropolitan Underground Railroad as well as the Broadway Underground Railroad. Ooh. Although the only articles that I could find that mention this are the articles about the House of Death. Okay. I will say, though, that his full name was mentioned in a New York Times piece about the Broadway Underground Railroad bill being proposed to the state Senate from February of 1866. That is the only proof that he had anything to do with the Underground Railroad that I could find. Because <laughs> I was like, tell me more about this New York City Underground Railroad. Yeah, I want to hear Nothing to do with this James guy. <laughs> he was also the founder of the 10th Street Studio. Quote, a collective with studios, galleries, and annual funding for resident artists. Okay. Which was actually relatively unique for, you know, uh, unique New York. Unique Unique New New York. York. Mr. K would be so upset with me. Uh, Which was actually relatively unique for New York at the time. Shortly after the Johnstons moved out, an apparent celebrity cyclist of the time, a man named Fred H. Andrew, moved in. Though he was subsequently arrested after a moment of, per the New York Times, reckless bicycle riding (laughs) when he hit an eight-year-old boy breaking his leg. Oh, man. Was he drunk? I don't know, but it's like an 1800s bicycle. How do you hit an eight-year-old boy hard enough via bicycle to break his leg? Well, he was a professional. Oh, Might have been going really fast and been really good at it. And you know what? This is the type of shit why you can actually get a Dewey on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't be like Fred H. Andrew. No. Mm -mm. He got arrested for it. Three years later, uh, for just a little over a year from 1900 to 1901, Samuel Clemens lived in the house. You might better know him by his pen name, Mark Twain. Oh, okay, okay. At the time, he was battling bankruptcy as well as depression, despite being at the height of his celebrity. And although his time at 14 West 10th Street was brief, a plaque still remains outside of the Brown House, boasting its most famous occupant. Holy shit, I was there! You were here? Yeah, that was on my ghost tour. Was it? That I took with Sarah and Jada. We went there. You went there? Yeah, we didn't get to go inside. It's actually a residence. Yeah, I know. I was, I'm going to say at the end. Yeah, I know. But I was just saying, like, I, we didn't get to go inside. But, yeah, those those poor people just get tours just walking All by the their chat. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Their but, their address is just, like, on the internet. Yep. but <laughs> All over. That, you just, like you said, the thing about the plaque. And I was like, oh, I've fucking been there. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm ready. All right. All right. Now right. you're excited? Yeah. You're, you're like I mean, I was ready. excited before, but now I'm more excited. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have a, a something to put in my head about it. You yes. Know? It's, it's very unassuming, I assume. that was not on purpose it is very unassuming you assumed right (laughs) oh uh so uh yeah there's a plaque because he's famous and he lived there for like a year ish yep (laughs) and that's enough to earn you a plaque if you're if you're mark twain and it is with mark twain that the ghost stories begin Sometime in the 1930s, the then-occupants of the house, an unnamed mother and daughter, claimed to have seen Mr. Twain. Despite his short period of residence and his death in another state, the two claimed that they saw him sitting near a window in the living room. 
when he spoke to them and said, uh, my name is Clemens and I has a problem here. I got to settle. Shortly after saying this, he simply disappeared. I got a problem. I got to settle. Okay, bye. Yeah. I'm on it. (laughs) Other residents of the house have also claimed to see him decked out in a white suit and standing on the first floor or near the staircase. In 1937, with the high demand of housing in New York City, right back to that, uh, the single-family house was broken up into 10 apartments, with many tenants coming and going over the years. Actress and author Jan Bryant Bartell and her husband Fred moved into the top floor apartment in 1957. Just a few short weeks after moving in, Jan claimed to have felt a, quote, monstrous moving shadow that loomed up behind her. Ooh, don't like that. But when she looked back, there was nothing there. This, however, was the first of the paranormal experiences that she had in the house, but not the last. Oh. As she wrote in her 1974 book, uh, Spindrift, Spray from a Psychic Sea, after this first incident, uh, this shadowy figure would often follow her around the house. Gross. Don't like that. She also claimed to see the ghostly figure of a man in the hall, and when she tried to reach out and touch him, she experienced a sensation like never before. Quote, substance without substance. Chilly. Damp. Ugh. Diaphanous as marsh mist or a cloud of ether. Ugh. I could feel my fingers freeze at the tips. They were numb and yet they tingled. In the split second between contact and recoil, the scent came. Ooh. <laughs> uh, fragile and languorous and sweet. Unbearably, floyingly sweet. Unquote. Ugh. Okay, first of all, those were a lot of words that I've never once said out loud. Let's let's <laughs> talk about this for a minute. Let's talk about this for a minute. Okay. Let's talk about the fact that you have been followed around by a shadow uh-huh. in your house and you're just like, oh yeah, better fucking try to touch it. Well, this was a different, this was a ghostly man. This wasn't the shadow. Okay, still, still. <laughs> you've been followed around in this house by something. Yeah. Even if it's not the same something, it's still a something that's obviously not a real person. And you're like, oh, yeah, better fucking try and touch Let's this. Let's see what happens. No. Let's see what happens. Second of all, put down the thesaurus, ma'am. <laughs> oh, right? Like, right? don't get me wrong. I love a good, I love a good, beautiful writing. But that just felt a little too verbose for me. Yeah, it felt forced. Yeah. Just felt forced, you know. Anytime somebody uses the word languorless, yeah. I, I have a tendency to be like, mm-hmm. you had your thesaurus out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody, That's nobody's that's, go-to yeah, word. Yeah, you don't like, just say that. <laughs> like, this is from 1974. Yep. That wasn't that long ago. All right, judgy face off, ready to hear more. Uh, she also documented the sudden appearance of food that was not purchased by the family that would be old and rotten, and it would just suddenly appear on their table. Ugh. The sound of footsteps following her up the stairs of shattering glass that seemed to follow her around the building, but there was, like, no shattering glass. It was just the sound of glass shattering. Okay. And a low, unexplained growling sound. Their dog would suddenly become aggressive towards nothing that they could see, uh, specifically one particular chair that apparently held some sort of entity in it that it didn't like. 
That's legit. I mean, animals, more more sensitive to that than we are. Yeah. Jan claimed to have experienced the icy cold touch of unseen hands on her neck and to have had her furniture moved from its usual place. They're like, oh, man, the feng shui here is all off. Yeah, we got to fix this. Maybe that's why we're still here. The feng shui is off. Uh, eventually, Jan called upon the help of a psychic medium and a paranormal investigator to come in and help them explain what was happening. Per the New York Post, quote, Immediately, the medium felt a presence. There was something dead under the floorboards. Three things, maybe. A young girl with curly hair, blue eyes and a tiny nose, and an aborted child. And, of course, a small gray cat. That's really sad. Suddenly, the medium snapped into a trance and was possessed by the spirit of Rini Mallison, a 19-year-old girl who said she was born in 1848. She blamed President Lincoln for killing her husband, Henry McDermott, um, by making him fight in the Civil War, and she wailed over her aborted child. So I think I think the story was from something else, oh, unquote. I think the story was from something else that um, when her husband passed, yeah. she was with child and she was like, I can't do this without him. Yeah. So that's okay. So you said that the medium was the one that picked up about the, like the three things under the floorboards. Yes. Did they actually dig it up and see if there was, I'm just curious No. if they dug anything up to be like, yeah, no, there actually is. Okay. No. Also this apartment is on the top floor. Yeah, that, that was my thought, but I was like, I don't know. Did they go into whoever's in the bottom apartment and be like, sorry, we got a medium saying well, this is happening, it, so. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. And all it's right. a four-story building, so they're just really floating all the way to the top. Bodies often do. I I thought you were going to say something about, like, the, uh, to, I, the I, to the I, New York apartment in the sky. What's what's the name? What's the song from the Jeffersons? I'm moving on up. <laughs> moving on moving up. on up <laughs> to the east side. All right. No, to a deluxe apartment in the sky. That was yeah. not what I was going to I thought rep- for sure that's what you were going to say. I was going to try to make a witty reference to the telltale heart. And yet again, my poem knowledge has failed me. My brain is. I'm so sorry. Oh, yep. Sorry. I'm so sorry. You're just not as clever as I am. Duh. <laughs> Uh, the paranormal investigator commanded then that the spirits leave the home. Because once once this whole thing happened, he was like, fuck it. You guys got to go. Like, you have to leave. That always works so well. I know, right? Uh, and the Bartels were the rightful occupants. So they had to get out of there. Well. <laughs> you were right. It didn't go very well. <laughs> and according to the post, quote, the medium's voice shot back like an explosion. Never. I will never leave here. Bartell recalls her saying, they will have to go. This is my home. I will never leave. Hey. Unquote. Hey. Couldn't you just coexist together? Just be peaceful. Be nice to the ghost. Maybe they'll be nice to you. Uh, shortly after that, the Bartels moved. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, fine. Nice try. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Thank you. You're getting it. In total, I think that they actually remained in the house for like seven years out of just sheer necessity because housing was so hard to find in New York at the time and there just wasn't anywhere yeah. for them to go. Jan said that even after they left, she could feel the house. It had poisoned her like it had so many tenants before her. In her book, 
She said that death was not unusual in the house. Quote, the first to die was a dog, Jan's own beloved Penelope. But within 24 hours, she learned of the death of the first human tenant. Whether by heart attacks, suicide, or murder, the deaths came in rapid succession, unquote. I, I'm torn. Okay. Because I do think that deaths probably happen, but that's just the nature of a house, I guess. But it might seem extreme, but is it actually extreme, or is she trying to sell a book? They had this quote in there about, pardon me, this is a direct line, 10 little Indians and them all just going one by one Mm -hmm. with the implication that there were nine deaths in the house during the seven years that she lived there. And the first one being her dog, but then like people kept dying and that she herself was actually the 10th one, but... I didn't like the thing about the little Indians. <laughs> yeah. I yep. didn't put it in as like the quote, but I guess I ended up saying it anyway. So that's good for me. <laughs> uh, not long after finishing her manuscript, Jane herself would die as well, as many people would categorize as under mysterious circumstances. Ooh. Yeah. One tenant, a man named Dennis, lived in the apartment a floor below Jan's old apartment. And when he was interviewed about the activity in the house, he said that he believes what Jan wrote in the book. And the book itself, he originally got from this girl that he had met. Allegedly, she was browsing a local bookstore when it fell off the shelf and directly into her hands. And I don't know why it then got to him, but... That was just the first of 10 copies of Jan's book that he had owned because allegedly, mysteriously, the copies just keep disappearing. (laughs) The ghosts were just like, stop fucking talking about me, dude. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Look, we wanted you to look at it once, but then we're taking it away. (laughs) Or maybe they're like, it's like snipping articles about yourself out of the newspaper. They're like, oh, another one. (laughs) Josh, this one has you in it. This one's your copy. Sometime in the mid-1980s, a prominent New York City attorney named Joel Steinberg moved into 14 West 10th Street with his girlfriend, Hedda Nussbaum, uh, with their two children, Lisa, who was six, and their 18-month-old son, Mitchell. According to sources, both Joel and Hedda were well-liked by their neighbors and seemed like a great couple. Okay. Until one night in November of 1987, when their perfect image of a happy middle-class family dissolved, quote, revealing a drug-fueled den of horror and abuse. Oh, Jesus. This took an HBO-level turn. I know. That's why I had to use that quote, because I'm like, I'm never going to come up with anything better than revealing a drug-fueled den of horror and abuse. It's clickbait right there. I know, right? (laughs) Maybe that should be our episode title. No, 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 no. After freebasing cocaine, Joel beat six-year-old Lisa, leaving her bruised, broken, and unconscious on the bathroom floor. Piece of shit. Piece of shit, indeed. And then he left to go out with friends. Oh my fucking God. Hedda was left with the children, but she was so scared of Joel and his anger. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That she did not call for help. When Joel eventually came home, both he and Hedda did loads more cocaine until about 4 o'clock in the morning, and it 
wasn't until about six o'clock in the morning that Hedda finally called the authorities. Uh, um, poor child. Yeah. Uh, per New York Daily News, quote, around 6.40 a.m., 911 operator got a pressing call from children's author and editor, Hedda Nussbaum, because she was a children's author. Mm-hmm. She said that her six-year-old daughter, Lisa, wasn't breathing. So an ambulance was sent to her Greenwich residence right away. When the paramedics arrived, they were greeted uh, by a very disturbing scene. They found Lisa lying naked and unresponsive on the kitchen floor and her brother Mitchell tied to a playpen and soaked in his own urine. Oh my God. Hedda herself was covered with bruises and had several broken bones. Investigators also discovered marijuana, cocaine, hashish, over 20 crack pipes, and $25,000 in cash in the apartment, unquote. Holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah, the the 18-month-old baby was basically tied to a playpen by a, a rope tied around his waist. And just uh. so he couldn't get out. Yeah. Piece of shit. That's infuriating. Yep. And this, this woman is a freaking children's author. Like a, a relatively famous one, I guess. So Lisa was unconscious. Um, she was found to be brain dead, and she died three days later from her injuries. Joel Steinberg was convicted of first-degree manslaughter and served 16 years in prison. He was released in 2004. Mm. Uh-huh. Folks who believe that there is evil in the house of death wonder if it was the house that led to this real-life monster. I don't know. I think that's giving excuses for a piece of shit. He did so much cocaine. Yep. He was a bad guy. Yep. According to local lore, a total of 22 spirits roamed the house, manifesting in a myriad of unexplained phenomena like flickering lights, shadow people, the sound of a crying child, and a woman in white has been seen floating through the halls. Nowadays, the house is privately owned and still has apartments for rent. The last one that I saw was just rented out a year ago, so, you know, they keep coming up if you have any interest. I don't think I'd want to live there. I would. Not just because it's really expensive. That was the one thing I was going to be like, did you did you see what the rent was? Yeah, I, it was absurd. Because uh, Sarah and Tara and I looked up some rents when we went to Manhattan, especially in Greenwich Village. Yep, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's not in our budget. We were like, with the three of us and Jada and the twins could all split skis a one-bedroom. One bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure I'd want to live there, you know, outrageous price aside, because in the city that never sleeps, the ghosts of 14 West 10th Street never seem to either. Excellent closing. I know, and you almost ruined it. I can't help it. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> damn you and your popular jokes. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Nevermore will I. I'm just recycling the same ones. <laughs> oh, geez. I liked that one. Good. Yeah. Oh. The stuff about Lisa was hard. Yeah. Very hard. But like the location, like you were saying, it is very unassuming because it's surrounded by buildings that all look exactly the same. Fun fact. Apparently that whole neighborhood is haunted. Apparently, number 16 is also pretty haunted, which you probably knew because you were on the tour. <laughs> but that's actually what I was going to say. It is surrounded by so many haunted places because 
We did the whole loop, and Sarah can correct me, but I think we only actually walked like a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a mile and a half, and it was like three three miles round trip, and like the longest distance was a mile and a half away. I it was mean, like still the, though. But still, that's like that's around the right around the area where Gay Street, the the one that we covered yeah. in like episode four. No, not fourteen. That would have been two. No, it would have been the next summer, right? Right. Our it, second summer? It's hard to tell. But either way, <laughs> yes, it's, so it's right in there. It's also near another area that Edgar Allan Poe is supposed to haunt, the like area where he used to go get his drugs. Oh, yeah. Did I talk about that in the Edgar Allan Poe? I don't remember. Mm. But either way, that whole area is, like Greenwich Village is hella haunted. Yeah. Hella haunted. Because that's also right by... Washington Square Park. Yeah, that used to be a graveyard. Yep, that we covered in another episode. Oh, my goodness. I know. Whirly gig. Whirly Whirly gig. gig. (laughs) So I think on a skeptic scale, Uh I'm going to go four. You know, me too. Like, not that I don't think it's haunted, but I just wonder how much is embellished. Yeah. And I do think the using the haunting by some people as an excuse for shitty shit, shit, machitations activities and like attitudes and behaviors i don't like that he was a terrible person we're not blaming the ghosts no that is not mark twain's fault (laughs) that's definitely not mark twain's fault definitely not mark twain's fault no no he you know he does have something to settle though apparently so there's that guess what i got i know what you have and i'm so excited i got a listener's story It's been so long. Now, if any of you want to send in a listener story, look how excited we get. We get so excited. All right. You're going to love this. Okay. I didn't read it. I saw it come through, and I'm like, I'm not reading that. Kayla's going to read it to me. So this is from a listener named Angela. Pronouns she, her. Okay. And she started it. Hello, badass queens. Fuck yeah. Yes, I went all the way back to the beginning because that's how we got a few. Remember, like, yes. the very first? When oh. we started getting these, they called us badass queens. I think that was... My favorite. Yeah, Kara and Jess, maybe? Yeah, my favorite. Oh, my God. It's my oh. favorite. So, Angela says, Heard you two on Prophecy Girls and loved both of your energies. I've been binging listening to your podcast, and you two have been keeping me company as I've been doing DIY work around my house. Nice. I'm going to share the story my son told me. This was the summer of 2021. He was five at the time, currently seven. So I was getting him ready for bed, and he starts telling me about a dark figure. I knew once you said I was going to have children and it was going to be creepy. He described it as going through his bedroom wall. It is black and big, has no legs, has arms, but no face. It keeps coming towards him until the sun comes up. And that's when he realized it doesn't like the sun. Uh. My son has autism spectrum disorder and not one to just make things up. Yes, he may repeat things said to him, but this was not from me or anything I've seen him watch. So this freaks me out. And so what do I do? I I record him explaining it to me and send it to my sister. She's a practicing witch and knows some things about the paranormal. She said it's a shadow figure that can be a manifestation of negative energy, a projection of my son's emotions. 
During this time, my ex and I had split up and she officially moved out in the beginning of the year. And over the course of eight months, he's been coming to my bedroom earlier and earlier in the night. On the other side of the wall where the figure starts is the master bedroom and the last five months of her living in the house, just her room. My sister thought it was a way of him expressing his struggle with the separation. Mm. Mm -hmm. My sister then sent me sage and crystals and told me how to cleanse my house. Does my son still see the figure? I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth. However, I have to lay with him until he falls asleep in order to have my bed to myself. If you want some more stories, I've been told, or the time I debunked a ghost, which is just a funny story I'll be happy to share. Yes, please. Happy Spooky Wednesday, Angela. Angela, thank you. Um, I have been waiting to get stories about creepy children because... They are the creepiest. They're the scariest thing. And in this instance, it's not a creepy child. It's a creepy encounter that oh, a child uh, is having. Yeah, we still, I still say it's the creepy children because children, <laughs> well, because children can see stuff that we can't. I know. It's so the I'm like, mm, creepy child saying some things. It's the, it's the innocence of Throwing it Throwing down that truth. <laughs> I don't want the truth. I can't so, handle the truth. I really hope that your house is no longer has a shadow figure in it because as we've discussed, I despise shadow figures. Like, of the ghosties, that's my least favorite. Yeah, I I definitely agree with your sister, though, that it being a manifestation of negative energy. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, especially with, like, a really rough breakup and just all everything happening. And if it's coming through the wall from your ex's room, like, that just, it makes a lot of sense. I really hope that your son doesn't see that anymore. I hope your son is doing excellent, and yeah. I hope you are doing excellent. And thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing a listener story with us. It's been so long. So Angela, long. I appreciate you so much. So much. If you have a listener story you would like to share, please do. We love it. You can do so by visiting our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and clicking the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can also email us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com, or visit the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whatever you are most comfortable with. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, we have finished another week. Yeah. Next week, we got a special guest. Special guest. We are building up. It is summertime. It's been raining everything is great and good and part of that is because of y'all ah it's so true though new listeners keep popping on and it just makes me so happy from all over the place i think it's so great it's so cool it was a holla y'all just tell us where you're from hop on that in on that instagram or that facebook and just comment on a random ass thing and be like hi love you guys we love you guys you know just say something we love to see it we love to see it. Love to see it. Smash that like button. Sorry. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. It's been a while. Well, thank you all for listening this week. We love you and appreciate you very much. It's true. We do. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. okay. Bye.
The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! Thank you.